So welcome to episode one of Breaking Bethel. We're going to start going through this series. Um, I'm really excited about it. I already have some other fellow alumni I'm talking to for down the road uh, to start doing some other maybe interviews with other people that have left Bethel. And it's really cool the networking that's happening already. So if you have people that maybe have walked away from Bethel right off the bat, feel free to send them my way because um, we're talking. So episode one and the idea of Breaking Bethel is that we're going to go from application all the way to third year. Um, I want to take it in phases, maybe two or three, maybe three episodes per year. So we'll see how long this takes. We'll see the format. We'll see how things go. But it's going to take some time uh, for me to iron this out. So this may evolve over the time or it will evolve more than likely. And I'm excited to see what that turns into. Um, you know, this is this is something brand new for me. So without further ado, let's get started. Okay. So you want to go to Bethel. And the first step is you have to apply. Uh, when you apply to Bethel, it's not like a ministry school that you would typically go to or a college, um, the application process is a bit different. Um, it starts off pretty standard and we're probably going to go through, I'm looking at my notes, so sorry, I'm looking over here. Uh, and since basically you're going to vicariously live through going to Bethel through me, um, you got to start by vicariously applying to Bethel. <laughs> so let's start with that. Um, so it may seem strange to start with the application process, but there's a lot in there that ties into the theology and what Bethel does that's in the process. So I like to break down the application process into kind of four, three or four different things. Um, the ones I've written down are the actual application. So this is like you're writing down the application of just standard information, the questionnaire part, the interview, and then the callback. Um, so... I, I went through all of my email accounts that I had at that time. I even had to go through some like old AOL email accounts and I tried to find some sort of like remnants of the application or something, but I don't know if it's because they were sold, they got deleted automatically, but I couldn't find anything, which is kind of a bummer. But that being said, I, I really, this is back in 2008. So when, when you apply at Bethel, just keep in mind, like this is 2008 Bethel. This isn't you know, Bethel now. So this is a while ago. So just that being the disclaimer, and I'm doing this from memory, but it, I, I feel pretty confident in my memory of everything. So just keep that all in mind. All right. Um, so when you start off with the actual application part, it's just standard stuff, you know, like asking for your age, you know, uh, why you want to come to Bethel, where are you from? Um, what else we got here? Location. Um, uh, church backgrounds, one of them, like what kind of church you attend, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's all pretty standard, nothing too crazy. This is just a basic application you're filling out. So that's like applying for a job, you know, that's pretty straightforward. But then we get to the questionnaire part and the questionnaire part is where things get pretty, pretty fun. Um, I guess interesting, fun, whatever word you want to put in there. Now, when the questionnaire starts, it's, it's stuff like, you know, what kind of church do you attend or what denomination are you? Uh, there's stuff like how long have you been a Christian? Um, that's a pretty, pretty straightforward one. Uh, when did you get saved? Do you have any known major sin issues? Um, you know, and you're like, oh gosh, like <laughs> who's gonna actually fill that part out, you know? Um, but it's really interesting when they start getting these questions because this is, this is trying to find out if you're already immersed in the Bethel culture. 
Now, for me, I wasn't really immersed in the Bethel culture per se because I didn't really know what the Bethel culture was. Um, when I applied to Bethel, I actually never heard of Bill Johnson's sermon. I never listened to Jesus culture or Bethel music or anything like that. I just went because I was told it was, a, it was basically what my church was already doing, but like cooler and better and bigger. And they could teach me how to do it even like more of it. Um, I had, I had dial up internet, so I didn't have the best access to stuff. Um, but I just kind of went off of like what my pastor, or my parents were like, Hey, it's, it's, you know, they went to down to Lakeland and they connected with Bethel students while they're at Lakeland. And I was a love what see with Lakeland. They're like, yeah, there's a place in California where they do this all the time. I'm like, let's go there. I didn't really want to go to college mainly because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And the bill for college was just, that was too much for me to swallow. So I, I went to Bethel. Um, so that being said, they're like, they're trying to figure out what kind of church you go to. And, you know, I was like, yeah, I, I, my answer is like, yeah, I operate in the prophetic already doing words of knowledge. You know, I, I'm already looking for miracles and like our church was teaching all that stuff. So I was going for it. You know, I, I was already there. And then the question is like, why do you, why do you want to go to Bethel? And, you know, I'm just like, I want to see more of this stuff. I want to do more of this stuff. I want to raise the dead. Like that's always the big thing. And you want to see amazing miracles happen and you want to get empowered and hopefully get trained to be on staff at a church at some point, you know? And, and then, uh, the question that really, um, I guess stuck out to me is when they talk about what does your personal relationship with God look like? And, um, if you're watching this, you're, you, you will know that I'm going to be having an interview with uh, Doreen Virtue coming out and we talk about, and I'm, I'm going to bring it full circle. And this is kind of part of the meat I want to get to with this. So when you're talking about the differences in theologies with charismatics and, you know, reformed and whatnot, this I think is one of the biggest things is the idea of a personal intimate relationship with Jesus or with God. Um, and I think one of the questions Doreen asked me when she talked about ministering to, um, Mormons or not Mormons, like charismatics, uh, that it must be like the, the, the prophetic aspect must be the hardest part, like, cause they're entrenched in the prophetic and they believe in the prophetic and that's something they're very passionate about. And I, I personally don't think that's what it was. Cause for me, the last really big theological cornerstone that I held onto with my time in the charismatic camp was the, the idea of my personal intimate relationship with God, like this one-on-one -on -one intimacy where it was, I could hear God's voice directly. Like he talks to me every morning, like in my daily walk, I can just kind of like, kind of like that Kevin Copeland, you ever see that clip? I might, I might try to add it in here. We'll see where he's like, oh yeah, okay, well, yeah, yeah, I'll get, I'll get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that kind of thing where it's like, you're talking to God directly all the time. Like I seriously thought I had that. And that was when they, when they ask you, what does your personal intimate relationship with God look like? I want to be like, yeah, it's great. Like I talk with God all the time. You know, I, I feel like I hear God's voice very clearly. I feel like I'm, I honor what he says all the time. And then you have like, you, you take that same idea with, with, um, on the other side of things. Like I, I'm, I'm always curious, like I've never really talked to many like Baptists or Lutherans or Calvinists of like, what do what does that look like to you? And that's something, that's just a question I never asked. And I would love to see what you guys think. Like what, if someone asked you, what does your personal intimate relationship with God look like? How would you answer that? Like, I'm still working on that now of like, how would I answer that? Like for me, it's more of like, I, I see him as my savior. He's like my, the creator of the universe, like the Holy spirit that convicts me. 
But it's not this like intimate level, and this is where the Mormonism comes in, because you'll notice that when you talk to Charismatics about the gospel or to te- our testimony about the gospel, most of the conversation usually ends on the experience they've had with God. And they testify more to the presence they felt rather than the reality of the gospel that they've heard. And this is the exact same thing with Mormons, which is why I want to do a whole video really on, on paralleling the Mormons and the Charismatics. Because the Mormons, they, they are taught whenever you're in a kind of discussion, Jeff Durbin would see this. I got to get Jeff Durbin because <laughs> I've mentioned his name so many times. I got to talk with him at some point. Um, but his videos, it's great because he'll ask them, he'll kind of lead them down a series of questions of like, if someone were in sin, what would you point to? And like, oh, we point to the Bible. The Bible says not to do X, Y, and Z. He said, right, but if, if someone told you they believe in different Jesus, how would you do it? And they talk about how they've had a burning in their bosom. They felt, they've, they've prayed honestly, and they've read the Book of Mormon with good intentions and earnestly, and they've had a burning in their bosom, like a, they felt the presence that convicted them. Even though we all know the Jesus they believe is, is not the real Christ. They have a different Christ. And so it's the same idea with the Charismatics, is they believe that this intimate personal relationship is confirmed by the presence that they feel not by what's testified in the bible now i'm not saying all i'm just saying in the a lot of the experiences i've had and from my time it seems like most of the conversations have revolved around that rather than talking about like the actual gospel um and that's that's hard it, it that 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 really separates things so so Bethel asks you about this, and it's kind of it sets up the theology of what Bethel has, and that's very much the theology that Bethel has. It's that intimate one-on-one relationship with God. So you're going through this questionnaire, and this is kind of the, that was like I said the part that I really thought was important to go through. So they're asking you about your personal relationship with God and all this intimacy stuff, and it's like I said, this is like probably one of the biggest cornerstones when it comes to the theology with Bethel, like this. I think is one of the biggest things. So they're laying this groundwork for what is to be expected of you as a student already in the interview process. So once you get this all filled out and accepted, you know, you've gone over your major sin issues. Uh, like I said, I've, I had my own sin issues I was dealing with, but I didn't talk about, I didn't disclose, you know, my, like the sexual morality and all that fun stuff that comes with it that I was dealing with, but I did not disclose it. It was just not in, at all in the application. I figured I, I don't, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I was, I was a 17 year old boy. <laughs> I didn't really want to talk about that stuff. And I thought kept it under wraps. So at this point, what happens is once you get this all filled out and submitted, uh, you wait for a phone call. Um, it's either going to be email for a Skype or a phone call. Um, I had bad internet. Like I said, I dial up. So I actually got a phone call, my little Nikea or Nokia Kyocera flip phone. And you speak with your revival group pastor or who's going to be your revival group pastor. So the one that interviews you is who's going to be your RGP or revival group pastor. And that's the person that's like your direct pastor over you at the school. Cause you know, Chris and Bill can't pastor everyone. So that's, that's who you kind of report to basically holds you accountable and is, is your effectively your pastor. So they call you and you set up a conversation with them and it, it starts off pretty simple, like basic standard pleasantries, you know, the phone call lasts between like 30 and an hour. I've heard some go for two hours. It really depends, I guess, on your interview. Um, but at this point they're interviewing you and they're, they're going, reviewing your questions. 
you know, going over why you want to be a Bethel, you know, what office do you think you hold? Like, are you an apostle? Are you a prophet? What do you feel like you, where you fit in? What gifts do you bring? Uh, why do you want to come to Bethel? You know, and they really just want to get a feel for you. They pray with you. Um, they ask some hard-hitting questions sometimes, again, about the sin issues. And I'm like, nope, clean as a whistle. <laughs> I'm all good. Um, and you go over that stuff. And, um, you know, it's, mine wasn't super intense, uh, partially because I was masking a lot of stuff. I wasn't being super honest. So it kind of blazed right through, which you would think that would discredit me from getting in, <laughs> but it didn't. Uh, so after that point, the, the rival group pastor will end the phone call with, I'm going to pray about this and I'll, I'll get back to you. And that little, I'm going to pray about this thing is probably one of the biggest like theological nuggets they drop on you because they want to make sure that if you're coming, that you are, that God has told them that you should come, that you are supposed to be here. And it puts a lot of weight on that phone call of like, man, God's going to tell them whether I should come or not. And as someone who like lied on the application, I'm like, I'm not getting it. <laughs> I seriously thought, I thought because I was dishonest about that, that, you know, the man of God would know, the prophet would know, and I wouldn't get in. And so a couple weeks, a week or so goes by and you get the phone call and he tells me I'm in. And I'm like, I'm freaking out. Like, you know, the man of God calls me and tells me that he heard God's voice. Basically, like he confirms that he prayed about it. I feel like God's telling him that I should come. And I'm, I'm like, I'm flipping out. I'm so excited. Like, this is everything I wanted. I want to go. I'm going to be a part of it, you know. But then in the back of my mind, you would think it'd be a red flag of like, but wait a minute, what about the major sin issue? What about that? Like, are they not, did they not know? Do they know? Is it something that just like they know now and they're not going to talk about it? Or they're like, like how's that work? Like, because if God told you I'm supposed to good go, he told you I'm, I'm good and clean and ready to go. Is he not caring about the sin issue? Like it just, it, right away, I just remember this wave of confusion of like, well, what does that mean about this? Like, is this not a big issue then? If it, it didn't get called out in your prophecy or in your words of knowledge from God, like it just leaves you with a lot of questions. And so, but there's kind of a confirmation bias there because like you want it to work. Like you, like you're like, hey, I got in. So you're going to roll more with the confirmation bias side of things and rather than worry about it. And it goes in line with Bethel's form of prophecy, which is prophecies for encouragement. You know, call it the golden people and, you know, tell me I'm an adulterer, you know, crazy little teenage kid that needs to ring it in um, is not really the call out the gold, is it? So maybe that's why I didn't say it. I don't know, but it definitely left me some questions. But I was more leaning on the confirmation bias things and like I'm good to go. So you gather the funds. I think first year was $3,500. Second year was 25, I think. I forget. But, and the other thing too is that like with the sin issue, and I don't actually remember this, um, they're, they're like, they have to clear you to graduate. You don't just graduate based off of merit. There's like this prayer session they have about graduating. But I mentioned that because there are people in first year that actually uh, did first year the year prior, but they didn't get graduated. So they had to do first year again and reapply. And then pay like 1800 bucks rather than the full 3500 So they did first year twice. Like that that was terrifying too, the idea you wouldn't graduate at that point. So, But now you're you're accepted. Congratulations, you're a Bethel. Um, uh, now you are actually, uh, get your first homework assignment, which is you have to read When Heaven Invades Earth. It's required that you finish that before the first day of school. And there's also like a book report homework assignment that comes with it. And so 
you get that, you start networking, finding a hot place to stay because Bethel doesn't have their own dormitories. So you got to find a place to stay, room and board. I work part-time, that kind of fun stuff. Um, but you do all that and then um, yeah, basically you're getting ready to go. Some people go early, some people go before school. It all depends, but at that point you're, you're off to the races and you're going to Bethel and it's crazy. <laughs> you're excited. Um, and it was for me too. I was definitely very excited. There's a lot of, there's a lot of just overall just anxiousness there. But the big thing, like I said, was just like that there's a lot of red flags and questions I should have been aware of with how they didn't pick up on that. And you think they would have, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. That's, that's your application process for Bethel. Um, I hope this has been good for you guys. Hope you enjoy this. Hope you like this. If you want more of this, let me know. It's a little bit of work cutting this together. So if like, if you want more of it, I need to know you want more of it. Um, uh, I have the interview coming up with Doreen Virtue. That's going to be in January. So uh, we've already filmed that and that's exciting. So uh, Doreen, if you're watching this, hi. I love the conversation. That was wonderful. Um, and uh, hopefully more stuff to come. But if you like this, let me know. And if you have people in Bethel, share it with them. If you have people that are coming out of Bethel, um, like I said, we're going to have some interviews with some alumni probably coming up. And we can kind of rec like kind of reminisce of some of our old experiences and what we went through. But um, it's really cool, the networking that's already happening. So I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. I hope this is a good enough present for you. hope you enjoy it. And thank you so much for taking time to listen. And um, yeah, Merry Christmas. God bless.